Section 16 of Mother Earth Number 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nemo. Mother Earth Number 3. Section 16. Fifty Years of Bad Luck by Sadakichi Hartman. Every occupant of the ramshackle old-fashioned studio building on Broadway knew old Melville, the landscape painter, who had roughed life within its dilapidated walls for more than a score of years. In former years, the studio building had been quite fashionable and respectable. There is hardly a painter of reputation in New York today who has not, once in his life, occupied a room on the top floor. But in these days of modern improvements, of running water and steam heat, of elevators and electric lights, it has lost its standing and is inhabited by a rather precarious and suspicious clan of pseudo-artists, mountebanks who vegetate on the outskirts of art, buckeye painters who turn out a dozen twenty by thirty canvases a day for the export trade to Africa and Australia unscrupulous fabricators of carreaux and d'Aubignes, and picture-drummers who make such rascality profitable, illustrators of advertising pamphlets and so-called fresco-painters who ornament ceilings with sentimental clouds, with two or three cupids thrown in according to the price they extort from ignorant parvenus. And yet, no matter on what by-roads these soldiers of fortune wandered to earn their dubious livelihood, they all respected the white-bearded tenant in his shabby gray suit, a suit which he wore at all seasons, and which time seemed to have treated just as unkindly as the bent and emaciated form of its wearer. Old Melville gave offense to nobody, and always had a pleasant word for everybody, but, as he was not talkative, and the other tenants were too busy to bother an old man painting, nobody knew much about his mode of living, the standard of his art, or his past history. Very few have ever entered his studio. He had neither patrons nor intimate friends, and very likely they would not have enjoyed their visit. A peculiar gloomy atmosphere pervaded the room, almost sickening in its frugality, and, as its skylight lay north, the sun never touched it. It had something chilly and uncanny about it, even in summer. The floor was bare. Furniture there was none, except an old worn-out kitchen table and chair, an easel, and an old box which served as a bookcase for a few ragged, unbound volumes. The comfort of a bed was an unknown luxury to him. He slept on the floor, on a mattress, which in daytime was hidden with his scant wardrobe and cooking utensils in a corner behind a grey faded curtain. His pictures, simple pieces of canvas with tattered edges, nailed to the four walls, leaving hardly an inch uncovered, were the only decoration and furnished a most peculiar wallpaper, which heightened the dreariness of the room. There was, after all, a good deal of merit to old Melville's landscapes, on an average, they were much better than many of those hung on the line. The only disagreeable quality 
was their somberness of tone he invariably got them hopelessly muddy in color despite their resembling the color dreams of a young impressionist painter at the start he worked at them so long until they became blurred and blotchy dark like his life a sad reflection of his unprofitable career it was nearly thirty years ago that he had left his native town and had come to new york as a boy of sixteen he already knew something of his life then at an early age he had been obliged to help support his family and had served an apprenticeship as printer and sign painter in new york he determined to become an artist a landscape painter who would paint sunshine as had never been done before but many years elapsed before he could pursue his ambition any amount of obstacles were put in his way he had married and had children and could only paint in leisure hours all his other time being taken up in the endeavor to provide for his family by inferior work inferior decoration etc not before years of incessant vicissitudes heart-rending domestic troubles and sorrow not before his poor wife had died of consumption that awful day when he had to run about all day in the rain to borrow money enough to bury her and his children had been put in a charitable institution he took up painting as a profession then the hard times which are proverbial with struggling artists without means began only they were easier to bear as he was suffering alone in days of dispossesses and starvation he had at least his art to console him and he remained true to her in all those years of misery and never degraded himself again to pot-boiling in hours of despair he had also tried his hand at it but simply couldn't do it now and then he had a stroke of luck a moderate success but popularity and fame would not come his pictures were steadily refused by the academy every year he made a new effort but in vain one day when one of his large pictures was exhibited in the show window of a fashionable art store a rich collector stepped out of his carriage and entering the store asked how much do you want for the ines you have in the window the picture dealer answered it is no ines but just as good a piece of work no ines ejaculated the man who wanted to buy a name then i don't want it and abruptly left the store the event trifling as it was threw a pale halo over old melville's whole life and gave him strength to overcome many a severe trial he hoped on persevering in his grim fight for existence despite failures and humiliation but the years passed by and he still sat there in his studio and in its emptiness its walls covered with his dark and unsold pictures whose tones seemed to grow darker with every year he was one of those sensitive beings who continually suffer from the harsh realities of life who are naive as children and therefore as easily disillusioned and nevertheless cannot renounce their belief in the ideal not a day passed that he did not sit several hours before his easel trying to paint sunshine as it really is nobody in this busy world however took notice of his efforts or comprehended the pathos of old melville's life those fifty years of bad luck and yet such martyr-like devotion to art such a glorious lifelong struggle against fate and circumstances 
is so rare in modern times that one might expect the whole world to talk about it in astonished admiration and how did he manage to get along all this time these twenty-five years or more since pot-boiling had become an unpardonable crime to him now and then he borrowed a dollar or so that lasted him for quite a while as his wants were almost reduced to nothing of course he was always behind in the rent but as he sometimes sold a sketch he managed somehow to keep his studio he did not eat more than once a day too much eating is of no use he consoled himself and in this respect he had many colleagues in the fraternity of art as more than one half of our artists do not manage to get enough to eat which fact may explain why many paint so insipidly a few days before his sudden death an old gentleman a chance acquaintance was talking with him about the muddy colouring of the pictures old melville's eyes wandered over the four walls representing a life's work at first he ardently argued in their favour but finally gave in that they perhaps were a little bit too dark why do you not take a studio where you can see real sunlight there is one empty now with southern exposure right in this building old melville shook his head murmuring some excuses of can't afford it of being used so long to this one but his visitor insisted he would pay the rent and fix matters with the landlord the good soul did not understand much about painting about tones and values but merely wanted to get the old man into a more cheerful room it was difficult for old melville to take leave of his studio in which he had seen a quarter of a century roll by which he had entered as a man in the best years of his life and now left as an old man but when he had moved into the new room the walls of which were an agreeable grey he exclaimed how nice and light after arranging his few earthly possessions he brought out a new canvas opened a side window sat down once more before his easel and gazed intently at the sunshine streaming in and playing on the newly painted and varnished floor for years he had wielded the brush every day but on this day he somehow could not paint he could not find the right harmony he at first attributed it to a cold which he had contracted later on irritated and somewhat frightened he mumbled to himself i fear i can't paint in this room and thus he sat musing at his easel with a blank canvas before him blank as was once his youth had been full of possibilities of a successful career when suddenly an inspiration came upon him he saw before him the orchard of his father's little canadian farm with the old apple trees in bloom bathed in the sweet and subtle sunlight of spring a scene that for years had laid hidden among the faint almost forgotten memories of his childhood days but now by some trick of memory was conjured up with appalling distinctiveness this he wished to realize in paint and should he perish in the effort feverishly he seized his palette and brushes for hours and hours he painted the sunlight had long vanished from his studio floor a chill wind blew through the open window and played with his grey locks and when the brush at last glided from his hand he had accomplished his lifelong aim he had painted sunshine 
slowly he sank back in his chair the arms hanging limp at his sides and as his chin falling on his chest an attitude a painter might adopt gazing at a masterpiece he had just accomplished in this case old melville's painting hours were over forevermore his eyes could no longer see the colors of this world like a soldier he had died at his post of duty and serene happiness over this final victory lay on his features in every life some ideal happiness is hidden which may be found and for which we should prospect all our days old melville had attained his little bit of sunshine rather late in life but he had called it his own at least for however short a moment while most of us others whom life treats less scurvily blinded by foolish and selfish desire cannot even succeed in grasping material happiness which crosses our roads quite often enough and stands at times right near us without being recognized and the fate of old melville's pictures who knows if they may not some day when their colors have mellowed be discovered in some garret and re-enter the art world in a more dignified manner true enough they will not set the world on fire yet they may be at least appreciated as the sincere efforts of a man who loved his art above all else and despite deficiencies had a keen understanding for nature and considerable ability to express it whatever their future may be his work has not been in vain it is the cruel law of human life that hundreds of men must drudge their whole lives away in order that one may succeed not a bit better than they in the same way in art hundreds of talents must struggle and suffer in vain that one may reach the cloud-wrapped summit of popularity and fame and that road is sure to lead over many corpses and many of the nobler altruistic qualities of man have to be left far behind in the valley of unknown names life was brutal to you old melville but this way or that way what is the difference there was a time when in the name of god and of true faith in him men were destroyed tortured executed beaten in scores and hundreds of thousands we from the height of our attainments now look down upon the men who did these things but we are wrong amongst us there are many such people the difference lies only here that those men of old did these things then in the name of god and of his true service whilst now those who commit the same evil amongst us do so in the name of the people for the true service of the people leo tolstoy end of section 16 end of mother earth number 3